fun to watch. Honest 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast series recaps. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Bobby Blanco, here. We have a quick recap here for you. The Nationals just concluded a five-game road trip with two games against the Blue Jays in Dunedin before returning home to take on the Marlins this weekend. It was a replacement series of sorts for Masson's coverage this week. How many times are you going to hear a reference to the movie The Replacements in the first month of a baseball season, but here we are. Dan Colco filled in for Bob Carpenter as the play-by-play man. Alex Chappell was back on Masson, filling in Dan's role as the host of the pre- and post-game shows. And yours truly filled in for Mark Zuckerman on the writing side for Tuesday's game, covering the, uh, the Nats Blue Jays opener on MassonSports.com. Entering this series, the Nationals were 8-11, still just two games back in the National League East. So a chance to gain some ground here with a quick interleague series. Let's break it down. Although the Blue Jays are currently playing their home games at their spring training home at TD Ballpark in Dunedin, it is of course still an American League ballpark granting Davey Martinez the ability to use a designated hitter in his lineups for these two games. Before the series opener, Davey explained how he wanted to use both Josh Bell and Ryan Zimmerman in the lineup with the DH. He was excited to be able to use both of these power bats uh, at the same time for the first time this season. The opener saw Zim at first base batting third and Bell as the DH batting fourth, which is understandable because Zim obviously has a better glove at first and maybe Josh Bell just needed to be off his feet a little bit to try to break out of this slump he's been in over the past week or so. Now getting into the game, and if at some point you thought you were watching a spring training game, I wouldn't blame you. This one had all the elements of a late Grapefruit League matchup between these two teams. A spring training uh, spring training stadium filled only with about 1,400 fans under a clear Florida night sky. Plenty of hard-hit balls and loud outs. Balls lost in the Florida breeze and maybe the, the lighting even. Uh, and a handful of pitching changes, at least by one team. Uh, But it could not have started any better for the Nats, really. Trey Turner hit a leadoff home run on the third pitch from Jays opener Trent Thornton for a quick 1-0 lead and the Nats' first home run in exactly a week. And if you've always wondered what Dan Colco's home run call sounded like, you're in luck. And he rips this one to left. Back and gone! Trey Turner on an 0-2 pitch. Great call by Dan right there. I know he was super excited to have this opportunity to uh, do play-by-play for a big league game. It's been a long goal of his throughout his his career. Uh, so just glad he got the opportunity, and he did a great job over these two games, uh, calling it with FP Santangelo. Two innings later, Trey Turner's second at-bat, he did it again, this time hitting a cutter to left center for a 2-0 lead. His seventh career multi-home run game and second this season. That knocked Thornton out of the game and started the revolving door of relievers for the Blue Jays' bullpen game. Old friend and two-time former national Tommy Malone was the first one called upon to face Yadiel Hernandez, a lefty-lefty matchup. Yadi was in the two-hole for the third straight game. Davey Martinez saying before the game that he likes Hernandez in that spot because he gets on base, hits the ball well, and can, quote, put the ball in the seats just as good as anybody. And that's exactly what he did. On the fifth pitch of the at-bat, Hernandez crushed an 85-mile-per-hour fastball for his first homer of the season and a 3-0 lead on three solo shots. 
So an early 3-0 lead, Max Scherzer on the mound, riding a 17-inning scoreless streak. You would think the Nationals had this one in hand, right? Unfortunately, in the most league Corso voice I can muster, not so fast, my friend. In the bottom of the third with one out, Scherzer gave up back-to-back singles to number 9 hitter Alejandro Kirk and leadoff man Kevin Biggio, the latter of which came off the glove of Josh Harrison at second base. We'll get to Josh in just a bit. Uh, and then Scherzer walked Bobby Shett on a full count to bring up Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with the bases loaded. The first time up for Vladdy Jr., Scherzer induced a double play ball, got out of a jam there. He was not so fortunate this time around. He left a fifth-pitch slider up in the zone for the young slugger to crush a grand slam for a 4-3 Blue Jays lead. Yeah, wanted to slider down away in that situation and just stayed thigh high. Um, you know, picked up too much of the, too much of the zone in that scenario. Um, and, you know, I'd already shown him enough, so I know I know that was, that was kind of a dangerous pitch to throw, but I thought if, if I got it down away, uh, we had a chance to get another uh, ground ball out of him. Or at least get it to two strikes. You know, maybe you could follow it off. Unfortunately, it didn't work that way. Max hadn't given up a home run since allowing four on opening day to the Braves. Those were all solo shots, though, so the damage wasn't too bad then. It wasn't as fortunate Tuesday night against the Jays, and that wouldn't be all. As in the very next frame, the Nationals' inability to do the little things reared its ugly head again. Kirk hit what should have been a routine pop-up that Josh Harrison couldn't track down and then booted past Yadiel Hernandez into right field, allowing two unearned runs to score in that frame. Harrison had a brutal night on Tuesday. That error that eventually led to the two runs, the line drive that he should have caught before Vladdy's grand slam, and then after his one hit of the game, he was immediately caught stealing uh, uh, second base. He was thrown out immediately. Like I think it was a pitch or two after he got on base. So a rough night for Josh Harrison, who is beginning to struggle at the plate after his very hot start. And the Nationals are hoping that he can regain his form and at least contribute normally, get on base, but not get thrown out, not make fielding errors. He needs to be more consistent, revert back to what he was like the first couple of weeks of the season uh, as the Nationals try to get back some healthy guys and uh, continue to uh, build on and get closer back to 500. Guerrero tagged Scherzer again later in the game, this time a solo home run to lead off the fifth inning, but nonetheless adding to the Blue Jays' lead. Scherzer seemed to struggle with location of his fastball and slider the entire night. He was consistently pumping his heater for 95 miles per hour early on, but as the game went on, his velocity dropped to 92 miles per hour uh, and resulted in a lot of loud outs. The Blue Jays were seeing him well. This was something that we did not see in his last outing as he was able to maintain his velo throughout the start. He finished the night after five innings, giving up eight hits, seven runs, five earned, two walks, and the two home runs, including a grand slam, uh, with five strikeouts on 86 pitches. Despite the early run support, the Nationals offense couldn't get back in this game uh, when they needed to, and it was not for a lack of opportunities. In the fourth inning, down just a run, they loaded the bases by way of a Schwarber double, Harrison single, and a Villa walk, but Victor Robles promptly grounded into a double play to end the threat. They threatened again in the fifth after Turner was hit by a pitch for the second time in as many games, and Zimmerman drew a walk, but Josh Bell struck out looking and Schwarber lined out to left. Then finally, in the top of the seventh, Zimmerman gave them a glimmer of hope with a two-run shot to right with Hernandez again on base after a single. That cut the Jays' lead in half to make it a 7-5 game and perhaps set up a late rally that you would normally see in a Grapefruit League game. But in the bottom half of the frame, Guerrero, again, just snagged the lead right back uh, for a four-run lead with a two-run homer off Kyle Finnegan. 
this third of the night, seventh on the season. It was Guerrero's first three-homer game of his career, and he hit them in consecutive at-bats going left field, center field, and then right field. All in all, seven home runs were hit on the night, four by the Nationals, three by Guerrero. The Nats' long balls scored five runs. Guerrero's scored seven in an eventual 9-5 to loss by the Nationals. This was just the latest example of the inconsistencies in the Nationals' game right now. When they get offense, they don't get starting pitching. When they can least afford it, they make costly errors that result in runs for their opponent. When they need clutch hitting, they can't connect. When they do connect, they give the runs right back. Yes, the Nationals have dealt with a COVID-19 outbreak, uh, a tough schedule, and a lot of injuries to key players to start the season. But that doesn't make this month's results any less frustrating. Here's Davey Martinez kind of summing up where the Nationals stand after Tuesday's game. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he was good other than, you know, on Vladimir. I mean, uh, you know, he got the ball, got the ball up out over the plate. And, uh, you know, Vladimir, you can't make mistakes at this ballpark. I can tell you that right now. As you can see, the ball travels fairly well. So um, I just thought he threw the ball up, up, up over the zone. Um, and Vladdy put good swings on him. I'm not there. So you have a better view. <laughs> what is, as you can tell, what, what the balls, the balls fly here at this ballpark. Um, you know, but you know, Vladdy had some good swings. I mean, it was the balls, some of those balls will hit hard. So, um, you know, just have, we got to just get, you know, just got to make better pitches. Typically when we score five runs, you got, you know, Max Scherzer on the mound. Uh, that usually ends up with a, with a curly W win. It did in tonight. Like I said, um, you know, Vladdy swung that well and 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 and, and, and had some timely timely home runs there. So um, we'll come back tomorrow. You know, Fetty's going for us, and we'll try to go one and zero tomorrow. Yeah, of course, the ballpark is definitely definitely difficult to play in. You got the Florida breeze going all over the place. Yeah, I mean, it's technically major league side. So, but you know, it is just different playing in a spring training ballpark as opposed to a normal major league stadium. And yeah, you got to tip your cap to Vladdy Jr. He has just unbelievable power. He's going to be good for a long time. It's a good thing for the Nationals, at least, that he's in the American League East, not the National League East. The box score, Max fell to 1-2 and two on the season. And wouldn't you know it, Tommy Malone, of all people, earned the win. Just goes to show how much pitchers' records actually matter uh, in, in baseball. Five runs, nine hits, one error for the Nats. Nine runs, ten hits, zero errors for the Jays. Positive news out of the bullpen, Kyle McGowan and Paulo Espino each had scoreless innings of relief. Game two was another route, but at least this time it went in the Nationals' favor. They bounced back immediately to split the series with an 8-2 win on Wednesday night. You don't think playing in a spring training stadium matters? How about in eight home games versus 15 road games for the Jays? They scored only four less runs and allowed only nine less to their opponents. And their home games, they are collectively averaging over 10 runs a game between the two teams compared to just six on the road. So no surprise that we saw back-to-back high-scoring games in Dunedin this week. Let's start with the offense. And like we said in the preview portion of the last episode, the Nationals have had Steven Matz's number for whatever reason back when he was with the Mets. And Davey Martinez was ready for the left-hander by stacking as many righties as he could in his lineup he penciled in Trey Turner, Josh Harrison, Ryan Zimmerman, and Starling Castro at the top of the lineup and slid Josh Bell down to sixth, hoping to take some pressure off the struggling first baseman. And the top four went on to go seven for ten with a walk, six RBIs, and just three and two-thirds innings against Mats. And even though the first portion of that assault on the pitcher was mostly singles, the Nats still broke out to an early 3-0 lead, and then Josh Harrison finally delivered the first extra base hit in the fourth inning. 
Josh Harrison, a big swing. Gritchick moving back on it at the wall, and it's gone. Josh Harrison's second home run of the season, and the Nats have busted it open here in the fourth inning. The three-run blast for a 6-0 lead proved to be more than enough by night's end, but the Nats weren't done there. Like I said, the struggling Josh Bell moved down to the six-hole for this game. Davey Martinez saying before the game, they still trust Bell in the lineup, and we're just hoping to take some pressure off him so he could have some more fun out there. He did extend his hitless streak to 0 for 18 in his first AB, although that was allowed out to deep center field. And then he finally connected to hit an opposite field two-run shot in the fifth. Bell out to left field. This one's back and gone. Josh Bell goes the opposite way for his second home run of the season. And the Nats are sending loud noises all over TD Ballpark tonight. Eight runs on 11 hits on the night will be plenty of offense for the Nationals on Wednesday, especially with the way Eric Fetty was pitching. He cruised through six innings of one-run ball, his longest and perhaps strongest outing of the season. His only blemish was a leadoff homer to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in the fifth, but that was only one of Toronto's final 11 batters to face Fetty to reach base. He again showed the ability to make hitters swing and miss. He struck out seven over six innings, giving him 24 over his last 20 and two-thirds innings pitched. And in his four starts since his season debut against the Braves, Fetty has posted a 2.61 ERA and a 0.968 whip. His final line, six innings, two hits, one run, three walks, seven strikeouts, and the home run on 98 pitches, 59 strikes, earning him his second win of the season. He's now 2-2. Two and two. As Mats took his first loss of the year, he's now 4-1. Eight runs, 11 hits, zero errors for the Nats. Two runs, five hits, zero errors for the Jays. Trey Turner had a four-hit game with two runs scored. Josh Harrison had the three RBIs off the homer. Ryan Zerman had three hits and two RBIs. And out of the bullpen, Sam Clay pitched a scoreless seventh. And Daniel Hudson and Brad Hand got the eighth and ninth innings themselves. Uh, they had not pitched in about a week. Hudson did give up a homer to Bo Bouchette. But other than that, he and Hand looked solid as they were just shaking off maybe a little rust in this laugher after a week or so off. So it's really been all or nothing for the Nationals over this first month of the season. They either win by a big margin or get blown out by a big margin. They're now 9-12 and on the season, still last in the National League East, but they woke up Thursday morning only one and a half games back of the Braves and Phillies. They are returning home to end the month of April and start a six-game homestand against those Braves next week. But starting with the Marlins this weekend, let's take a look at the opposite dugout. The Miami Marlins are managed by Don Mattingly in his sixth season and the reigning National League Manager of the Year after leading his team to a 31-29 record, second in the National League East last year, and not just the postseason for the first time since 2003, but a postseason series of victory. They swept the Cubs in two games in the wildcard series before being swept by the Braves in the NLDS. They're currently 11-13, good for fourth in the National League East, only one game back from the Braves and Phillies, and just a half game above the Nats. Over their last 10 games, they're 4-6 and six and are concluding a long 10-game road trip that started in San Francisco, then went to Milwaukee before bringing them here to D.C., this is the first meeting this season between these two teams. The Marlins won the 2020 matchup in a, a series by a, a record of 6-4. to four. And the pitching probables, the Nationals aren't quite sure what they're going to do for Friday and Saturday. They're still waiting to hear if John Lester will be ready to make his Nationals debut uh, this weekend. But um, if not... Uh, they'll have to make some other arrangements for their starting pitchers. As for Friday's opener, the Marlins are sending out right-hander Pablo Lopez. That's a 7.05 start. 
on Masson. Saturday's matinee game, right-hander Paul Campbell will take the mound for Don Mattingly's team. Uh, again, 1.05 p.m. on Masson and MLB Network out of market. And then Sunday's finale should be a good one. Left-hander Trevor Rogers versus Max Scherzer, 1.05 p.m. on Masson. These are not the Marlins of old. No, they don't expect to make the playoffs again this year or win the division, but they're not going to be pushovers anymore either. Gone are the days of counting on 12 to 15 wins against this team. They're going to be a tough out all season long, and they are led by Kim Ang, who, of course, was hired as the first woman GM in North American sports and the first Asian-American GM in MLB history this offseason. Uh, and she led a, a pretty strong offseason for this Marlins club. They signed outfielder Adam Duvall to a one-year $5 million deal. That increases to $7 million if their 2022 mutual option is exercised. They brought back center fielder Starling Marte, picking up his $12.5 million club option. They signed relief right-hander Anthony Bass to two years with an option for a third and former national catcher Sandy Leone signed a minor league deal before spring training with the team and now finds himself as their backup catcher. The Marlins don't really do anything special, but they find a way to score runs and win games. Until Wednesday night, they were the only team in the National League East with a positive run differential. And even now, they're still the best at plus 12. And if you're wondering, the Nationals actually have the second worst in all of baseball at minus 22. The player to look out for this series from the fish is is first baseman Jesus Aguilar, who is hitting 295 with a 921 OPS and team leading five home runs and 22 RBIs. So he's carrying a hot bat. He's coming off a three-game home run streak earlier in this road trip, so the offense goes through him. Adam Duvall has added four home runs and 14 RBIs, but he's only hitting 188 and has struck out 32 times. And leadoff man Corey Dickerson is hitting 320 while getting on base at a 400 clip, so he's been hot as of late too. The Nationals won't see rookie standout Jazz Chisholm Jr., who was placed on the 10-day IL with a left hamstring strain on Wednesday, nor will they probably see Starling Marte, who's been on the IL with a non-displaced fracture of his 12th rib. Right-hander Pablo Lopez will get the ball to start the series Friday night. He is 0-2 with a 2.93 ERA on the season. He has allowed two or fewer runs in all but one of his five starts this season so far, but in four career starts at Nationals Park, he has an 8-10 ERA with six homers allowed in 16 and two-thirds innings. And though last year he did go 2-0 against the Nationals with a 1-7-4 ERA in two starts. Right-hander Paul Campbell will get his first major league start in Saturday's matinee. The 25-year-old rookie has been used in a long relief role to start the season over four outings. He was a Rule 5 draft pick this past December, coming over from the Rays, and is now the Marlins' 27th-ranked prospects per uh, MLBpipeline.com. Of course, they have a very stacked system, so take that ranking with a grain of salt. He also has an 8-2-2 ERA over seven and two-thirds innings. And Sunday's finale matchup could be an interesting one between a wily vet and one of the best young pitchers in the game, as Max Scherzer will face 23-year-old lefty Trevor Rogers. Rogers is off to one of the best starts we've seen from a pitcher this season. He's 3-1 with the fourth-best ERA in all of baseball at 1.29. He's only given up one home run and has struck out 38 batters, though issuing 10 walks might be a little more than he would have wanted at this point in the season. Out of the bullpen, Miami actually has the third-best collective ERA in the National League at 3.79 and has this best whip in the league at 1.07. Right-handers Yimmy Garcia and Dylan Floro have allowed just two earned runs in 12 and 11 and two-thirds innings, respectively. And former Nationals first-round pick Ross Detweiler has a 1-2-3 ERA over nine appearances for the Fish. Of course, Nationals Park will still be at 25% capacity, 10,300 people allowed in the stadium. Hopefully the weather holds up this weekend and is nice enough for everyone to go out uh, and pack the stadium and make it feel like there's 40,000 people 
in there for this series against the Marlins. That's going to do it for this series recap. Be sure to tune into the Marlins series on Masson all weekend long. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Masson All Access Podcast. Be sure to follow, subscribe on Masson, uh, the Masson All Access Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And tune into our live episode weekly with myself and Amy Jennings on Tuesday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at Mass and Nationals across the board on social media. And of course, Mark Zuckerman's coverage on MassAndSports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby underscore Blanco. Our next episode will drop Sunday night, Monday morning, recapping this Marlin series and taking a look ahead towards the Braves. Until then, enjoy the games and we'll talk to you later.